How many of you enjoyed that last song? It's not on Spotify yet, but it is on Noel Robinson's YouTube channel. So if you go onto YouTube and type in Noel Robinson, um, you'll be able to find, and there is a fire. You'll be able to find it there and listen to it, subscribe to his channel. And, uh, and, and Noel does have a website as well, noelrobinson.com, noelrobinson.com. So do check that out, spread the word. But yeah, thank you so much for sharing that with us, Noel, a real treat. Hey, we've also got something else that we wanted to, um, to share. Uh, this year we are doing carol services again, as we normally do. It's, it's a big part of us communicating the true reason for the season. Um, we will be having a four o'clock and a six o'clock. So we want to encourage you, invite friends, neighbors, work colleagues. This is a great missional opportunity. And that will be on the Sunday, uh, the 18th of December. Um, but we also have something a little bit different um, that, that we wanted to do. And we wanted to do something that um, was right out in the community. And I had this idea about, hey, wouldn't it be great to do something down the local pub? Uh, I know our not forgotten going to the local pub. And um, so, yeah, I had this idea about like having sort of carols and Christmas songs like unplugged like in the pub. So guess who's going to be doing that for us? No. So, how cool is that going to be that Noel Robinson's going to be doing carols, Christmas carols and Christmas songs in the pub, the Baffins, just up the road here. So, um, it's an amazing opportunity. We do understand that some people, like, don't want to come near a church building. They're a little bit reluctant about that. But a lot of people, like, if you say, hey, do you want to go for a drink down the pub? They're like, I'm there. Um, so, this is a really great opportunity for you to invite friends um, neighbors, work colleagues, and just have some fun. It'll be a really great night. We're really looking forward to Noel being with us. And so we're just as a church, we went to the pub and we said, we want to bless you and um, to have a, a great um, evening. So that's going to be Tuesday the 13th of December from seven o'clock, and it'll probably go to about half eight. So um, yeah, it's going to be a great evening. We're really looking forward to what God's going to do. Um, so do put that date in your diary. And this is the only thing that we would say. If you are going to come along, you need to buy at least one drink. <laughs> you need to buy at least one drink um, because we don't want to pack the pub out and then everyone's drinking tap water. Um, we, wanna, we want those, the owners of the pub to go, oh, my goodness, that church is amazing. They're so generous. And as Christians, we should be the most generous people on the planet. Now, obviously, we're not going to be having lots of alcoholic drinks. Let, let me just put that out. We need to be good witnesses um, in our community. But let's be a real blessing that, that we just bless their socks off and that we just share God's love in an amazing way. So are you excited about that? Let, let's, let's, 
let's pray right now for that. I tell you, Noel, if you want to stand up, let's reach our hands towards Noel. Get a few people around Noel as well, and let's pray for him. Lord, thank you for Noel, just his willingness just to come and serve you, God. And we just bless him. We say thank you for him. And we pray that that 13th of December, this community will never be the same again as we declare the praises of God as your light shines. I pray that people will just be talking about it in such a positive way as they encounter the good news, they encounter the presence of God, your Holy Spirit. So we surrender that whole event into your hands. And Lord, we pray that, Lord, just people will come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Lord, even speak to us about who we're to invite along to that event. We thank you. It's going to be a great night to glorify you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's give Noel a round of applause. So we have been doing this series last week. Uh, I shared about Psalm 23, and that was a bit of a standalone message. But we have been going through this series called Open. And we've been looking at different aspects of how God wants us to be open. We want to be a church that's open to our community, don't we? We want to be a, a church that is open to the good news of all that God has for us. We want to have open hearts that we're saying, God, we want you to do whatever you want to do in our lives. And we've been looking at different aspects of what it means to be a people that are open before God. We're not closed. We're open to God and what he wants to do in our lives. Tim Robertson came down from Compassion. He shared about having an open heart that we need to have open hearts when it comes to the lost, when it comes to those who don't know him, when it comes to those who are trapped in poverty. And we have a role and a responsibility as Christians to help the poor. How many of you know that? That's not an optional element. It's something that we should all be engaged in as Christians, that we're here to make a positive difference. Esther shared about open ears and how that we're uh, called to be people that listen to God. God communicates with us. He's always speaking. He's always communicating in, in different ways. But the question is, are we listening? And so often, you know, we end up getting distracted. Have you ever been in a conversation where you're talking with them, but you know they're not listening? Anyone have that experience? Some husbands and wives are nudging each other. Yeah, you know what? You, you're having a conversation, you look at them, and they're kind of looking past you. They're, you know, tapping their foot. They're, you know, they're distracted, aren't they? They're not listening. Uh, sometimes Laura says to me, listen with your eyes, you know. <laughs> I am listening as I'm scrolling on my phone, answering messages. Hey, we all have those moments. None of us are perfect, right? <laughs> We're all a work in progress. But the message was about listening to God. And I think that sometimes that's God's experience of us, isn't it? That God's talking to us and we're scrolling through Facebook or, you know, we're distracted with other, the lesser things in, in this world. But God wants us to be a people that listen to what his voice is saying to us and that we heed that voice as well. We also heard a message uh, from my dad when uh, Laura and I were on holiday um, about open mouths. And this was about speaking, declaring the word of God. God wants you and me to be a people that bless others. And our words can either bless or curse. They can bring life or death. 
And so it's important that we are very selective about what we say, that we use transformational vocabulary, that we're, we're releasing words that lift others up, that build them up, that encourage them. Particularly in a very difficult time, the season that we're in, in the world, where there's so much gloom and doom and, and bad news, it's important that we're promoting the good news that we have in Jesus. So God wants us to be to have open mouths, and to speak up. And sometimes, how many of you know that speaking up about the truth can be costly? How many of you know that? It's not always popular to preach the gospel. It's not always popular to speak and declare the truth. Sometimes there is resistance in that. But God's calling his church to rise up, to open our mouths. Well, today I want to be sharing a message with you that is called open hands. Turn to your neighbor and say, open your hands. The subheading to this message is, sometimes you've got to give up to go up. Sometimes you've got to give up to go up. And here we are on Remembrance Day, remembering that many people had to give up their life in order that you and I could be here today. There was a great sacrifice and surrender as people laid down their own dreams, their own agendas, their own preferences, and they realized, unless we stand against this evil that's coming, coming to our world, then things are just going to get worse. People were willing to give up their lives, literally, so that we could walk in freedom. This is also the gospel message, isn't it? That Jesus gave up his life so that we could literally go up. That we could have that security in heaven with God. He laid it down. And sometimes in our lives, we're called where the Lord will ask us to give something up because he wants to take us higher. And because of what Christ did for you and for me, and when we choose to accept that by faith, the Bible says that we become a new creation, that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. It was give up in order to go up. Let's have a look at a passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 13. We're going to go from verse 44 to 46. And it says this, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had, and he bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, and when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. So here we see that there's, there's treasure, there's, there's value, there's these pearls that God has for us. But in order to obtain that great value, there had to be a sacrifice. There had to be a, a selling. There had to be a letting go of, of things that were perhaps being held on to. And this is the call to us as followers of Christ, that it's not come to Christ and, you know, you, you're serving a vending machine God where you just, you know, 
punch in the number of what you want and just asking God. God's not your genie. This is not just rubber lamp and right, these are my wishes. This is what I want you to do for me, God. No, when you become a Christian, when you become a Christ follower, you're giving up your rights. It's no longer about what you want and your agenda and your dream. It's about saying, God, what do you want? What's your heart? What's your mission? What's your agenda? We're giving up our rights to say no to him because we know that God always knows best. I think as humanity, typically we we find change really difficult, don't we? We often tend to default with the familiar, what we're comfortable with, and we don't like to let things go. I think that for many of us, we often have this experience where, where we're holding on to everything tightly. We want to stay comfortable. Letting go and opening our hands can be very scary. It can be very can feel disorientating. But without change, I want you to to write this down if you're taking notes. Without change, we will not grow and develop to the level that we're capable of. Let me say that again. Without change, we will not grow and develop to the level that we are capable of. And how many of you know that this season that we've been going through, these last two and a half years, there's been a lot of change? We've seen a lot of change, haven't we, in our personal lives, in our family lives, in many of you have changed jobs and, you know, moved location. And there's been lots of things that have been happening. We as a church have been through a lot of change in these last two and a half years. We have easily sent out over 100 people that have gone from this church. And if you look at that without a kingdom lens, if you look at that with a tight-fisted mindset, then you're going to see that in a negative way. And and I remember when we came back into the building after lockdown and and not being able to have services in person for a while. And, And I remember like looking out and thinking, where's all the people? There's all these these gaps. And we knew that obviously there had been people, many that had moved away and students that had graduated and, you know, moved on to their next step. And there'd been a lot of people during that time that, that, had, been, that had been sent out. And, and I remember um, sharing with uh, those of you that, that were there at that service saying, look, we, we've got to address the elephant in the room here. But I want to say this, yes, there are gaps, but we haven't lost anyone. We've simply sent out and sown. Again, it's all about the narrative, because if you have a a tight-fisted, I've got to keep everything to myself, then you're going to see it in a very negative way when suddenly certain things are gone in your life. So God wants us to adopt this mindset of the kingdom, open-handed, not holding on to everything tightly, but, but opening our hands and saying, Lord, everything I have, it's from you, it's for you. And if you want to take it, that's fine, because it was never mine in the first place. God has called us to be people that see things with that kingdom perspective, bigger picture. And I want to say this, if this church kept everyone, 
we would not be following the will of God. We wouldn't be biblical. If you read your Bible about the church, it was not just about everyone staying in one place. It was raising up, sending out, raising up, sending out. It was releasing to increase. And we as an apostolic center, we as an apostolic church, what does that mean? It means that we're to be a discipleship center, a community that trains people up and sends them out. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we all have to go and relocate. We can, we can be people, you might be people that are called to be in Portsmouth and maybe even be in Portsmouth for the rest of your life. But we're still sent out into our neighborhoods, into our communities, into our workplaces, into the spheres of influence. But there will be many that will be sent out to other cities, towns, villages, and even nations of the earth. And we're going to be seeing that a lot more. So with the you know, 100 plus people that went out over the last two and a half years that we sent out, that we sown, if you get that mindset of we've sown, then you can start getting excited about the harvest. So I don't know about you, but I'm excited about the harvest. Who else is excited about the harvest? God has called us. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand clap. We can either have a scarcity mindset where we don't want to lose anything, we want to try and control everything, or we can have open hands where we say, God, it's all for you. It's all for your glory. Think about how crazy it would be for a farmer to have a big bag of seed, and you know, but he just clutches it all the time. He doesn't want to lose it. He wants to keep hold of it. He's like, this is my seed, and, and, and I can't let it go, and this has great value. How many of you know it's just going to stay a bag of seeds until he lets it go? And the seeds, they have to die, they have to break open before the harvest will come. And then there's that process again, isn't there? Because then when that harvest comes in, there's another kind of receiving seed. And again, letting go. And we get to see this multiplication. You see, within every within Every apple seed, it's, there's not just an apple, there's, there's trees, and there's not just trees, there's orchards. So we have to get this kingdom mindset about what God is doing. And we as a church, we're going to continue to send people out. And that's important for us as a church, that when we do that, that we don't see it as, oh, no. You know, this is negative. We, we want to hold everyone. We don't want anyone. Shut the doors, lock the doors. We don't want anyone to go. No, that's not the kingdom mindset. Jesus gave us this commission to make disciples of all nations. And part of that involves us raising up, sending out. You know, I've said about uh, when me and Laura have had some conversations around uh, our daughters. And, uh, you know, we, we were even talking about recently. Uh, about their futures and stuff, and uh, just saying about how that when they get older, like, you know, if they want to go and live in another country or another city, like, that's fine. And Laura's like, no, they have to stay in our home. Like, we're not letting them go, you know. And we joke about that. But really, the most important thing is for our children that they're following the will of God. 
And so it may well be God says, hey, stay in Portsmouth for the rest of your life. And, and that's God's will. And if that is brilliant, they're still going to be apostolic, sent out in, in their spheres of influence, and in their neighborhoods and workplaces and with their friends. And But God's called us to be people that we're about what God wants. Holding everything loosely is so important. Living with open hands. Remember, and I love what Gladdy was saying um, during the, the offering tithes and offerings time. You know, we are not owners. We are simply stewards. It, it only becomes difficult to give when we think that it's ours and we've earned the right to it. And again, it's this entitlement attitude. And the reality is God wants us to live from a generous heart. Everything belongs to the Lord. And we need to hold, we shouldn't hold on to anything tightly. Whether it's a job, a role, a relationship, possessions, money, we should, we should hold them loosely with open hands before God. Because being tight-fisted will only limit what God can do in and through our lives. And I just want to share four things that living with open hands, holding everything loosely, that it communicates. First of all, living with open hands communicates that we acknowledge that everything comes from God and is for his glory. Turn to your neighbor and say, everything comes from God and is for his glory. In First Chronicles 29, um, we see King David, he's taking up an offering for building of the temple. And it says that people gave willingly, like they gave extravagantly to fund God's vision. And then we see David shift into a, a prayer of praise. And I want to read out this prayer of praise. You know, Gladdy was sharing about like not giving grudgingly, you know, or resentfully, but but giving joyfully. This is where God wants us to be, that we're, we're joyfully giving of our encouraging words. We're joyfully giving of our time. We're joyfully giving of the gifts that God has given us. We're joyfully giving of our resources, recognizing it all belongs to him. Let's have a look what it says in Chronicles as David prays. It says this from verse 10. Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O oh Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel. May you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. And this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Oh, our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you first gave us. We are here only 
a moment. Visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like passing shadows, gone as soon, uh, go and gone so soon without a trace. O oh Lord our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. It all belongs to you. I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. It's an amazing picture, isn't it? That, that David had done a lot. He was a hard worker. He was courageous. That he could have quite easily said, well, you know, I've worked hard and I've worked my way up and, uh, and I've, I've crafted my trade. And, and, and he could have said that it was about him. He could have given himself a good pat on the back. But here he's saying, God, everything that I've given to you, it's only stuff that you've already given to me. Again, it's having this mindset that we know that we're not owners, we're simply stewards. That we're called to steward things. Following God's heart, his dream for his glory. Here's the second thing that living with open hearts displays, that it communicates. It displays a heart of worship that's yielded to him. It displays a heart of worship that's yielded to him. It's where we love the giver more than the gift. We love him. We, you know, as Gladdy was saying about, it's not about his hands, it's about his face. So when we do it, and often it's, you know, in worship, quite often you'll see people having their hands out in this kind of receiving mode from God. It's, it's a posture of worship. It's also adopting a posture of surrender and humility. Sometimes in worship you might see people, you know, holding their, their hands up, open hands in the air. You know, when people are in, in, a, in a war situation and they're surrendering, they're saying, hey, we're going to allow you to capture us. We, we, we recognize that, that you have the victory. People raise their hands up. It's, it's a way that we're saying, Lord, we're open before you. We yield to you. It's a posture of surrender and humility where we set, we're saying, everything I have is yours. I release the need to try to control everything. Have your way, God, in our lives. And then the fourth thing is living with open hands demonstrates that we trust God with what he has entrusted to us. It's a demonstration that we trust the Lord with what he has entrusted to us. Even if that means letting go of something that we love. And sometimes the enemy of the best is something good. I'm reminded about the story of Abraham in Genesis 22. Abraham had believed God for this promise that he would have a, a promised son with Sarah. And then suddenly, you know, this amazing miracle moment happens. And, and Abraham has a son, Isaac. And it's like, wow, like all of my dreams have come true. But then when Isaac got a little bit older, the Lord tested Abraham and said, I want you to, to sacrifice your son. And for Abraham, it must have been like a real head spin of this doesn't make sense, God, because I know you're against child sacrifice. I know that you're uh, against killing of people. I know that you're a God of love and goodness and kindness. And, and God, you promised me, you know, this, this, 
son, you've given him to me, and now you're taking him away from me. I mean, it didn't make sense. But Abraham trusted God. He lived open-handed. He was willing to give up in order that he might go up. And many of you know the story that just as he's there and he's about to bring the dagger down, the Lord stops him. And there was a provision of a, a ram that was caught in the thicket. God provided. It wasn't about God wanting to kill Isaac. It wasn't about, it's about testing the heart. And God will take us. He will allow us to go through tests in our life where it's, it's not so much about us carrying something out. It's about the Lord saying, am I more important to you than that gift I've given to you? God will test our hearts. Let's be people that pass the test. Sometimes God asks us to let go of something good in order to create room for what is best. Are you living your life open-handed? Is there anything that you have become possessive or to territorial over that the Lord might be prompting you to let go? I want to encourage you by saying this. By letting go, we create room to grow. Rhymes, doesn't it? By letting go, we create room to grow. I was uh, heard a testimony recently about someone who was struggling of letting go, and they were really sort of processing this um, with uh, someone that they were seeking counsel from, and they were just like, "I just." I just can't let go. It's, it's, you know, it's just too negative. It's, it's, it's a bad thing. And they're like, no, no, no. You've got to stop seeing letting go as something negative. You've got to recognize that it's all part of the plan and the purposes of God. So this person who was giving counsel to this lady says, have you ever had an infected tooth that you've had to have removed? And she was like, oh, yeah, I have. He was like, well, was it painful? Well, yeah, it was really painful. Was it uncomfortable? Yeah, it was really uncomfortable. Did you like it? No, I didn't like it. Did you have to pay for it? Yeah, it was costly. But was it a negative thing that you had that infection removed or a positive? And suddenly the light started to come on that she was like, oh, my goodness. I've been seeing letting go in my life all along as a negative thing. When actually, it was a positive thing, letting go. You know, I was sharing with Laura this morning. She was asking, you know, what are you speaking on this morning? I said about, you know, letting go and, you know, giving up and all this sort of thing. She said, oh, are you going to include the Disney song, Let It Go? Are you going to sing it? No, I'm not going to sing it. But it's good words of advice from the Disney theologian. <laughs> Let it go. Now, I will say this. Don't let go of what God's told you to hold on to. <laughs> There's something about, you know, when Jacob wrestled with, with God and, and he said, I refuse to let go of you until you bless me. I, I, I'm not saying to you married people, let go of your marriage. You know, there, there's certain things that we need to cling to, that we need to hold on to. But when God says, let it go, be open-handed. We need to be people that follow him.
It's only by release that we will be able to see a later increase. John Maxwell, how many of you here have heard of John Maxwell? He's like a leadership teacher. He's really good on on leadership stuff. And he talks about this concept called the law of sacrifice. And he basically says this, there can be no true success without sacrifice. If you think about the, the graduate from university, there has to be an element of sacrifice, perhaps when others are saying, hey, come out, you know, party and, and, and do other stuff. If you want to be successful, you're going to have to at times make sacrifices where you have to do things that you don't want to do. And you're going to have to give up, do it, you know, not doing some things you really want to do. You have to diligently study time that could have been spent elsewhere. It's the same if you want a successful marriage or a successful career. There has to be sacrifice. If you want to be fit and healthy, there has to be sacrifice. There are some comforts some things that you have to give up in order to achieve the goals that God has for you. And we see this throughout the Bible, this principle of the law of sacrifice. Letting go, giving up in order to go up. I think about John 6, I think about the boy with the five loaves and two fish. And Jesus is preaching, he's ministering, people are starting to get hungry. So Jesus is like, look, we need to address this problem. We need to sort out, you know, feeding this crowd. And the disciples say, well, there's only this, this little boy who's brought five loaves and, and two fish. It's not really going to feed much, is it? But the little boy, rather than holding on tight-fistedly, which, you know, would have been understandable. Sometimes children, you know, it's one of the, the first words that children learn is this, mine, mine. But, but then we grow up. The sad thing is there's many people in the church of God that we're still doing this, mine, mine. And the Lord is saying, guys, it's time to grow up. To realize that we live for a greater cause than just our own, living for ourselves. And even just living for ourselves and our family, even that could be selfish because there's a much bigger picture that God's inviting us into, a much bigger dream and vision. But thank God for that example. I'd love to meet, I would love to meet that boy when I get to heaven. His mum packed him a, a great packed lunch five loaves, two fishes. You know, think about that. Mum was just as much a part of that miracle as the son, wasn't she? Yeah? So, so often it's, it's the miracle within the miracle and, and, and how these stories interlock. But the little boy was willing to let it go. And what was the result? Not only was the multitude filled, 5,000 plus women and children. So you're probably looking at about 12,000 people there. They were fed through one little boy bringing his little pack lunch saying, I'm willing to let go. What was he doing? It was give up to go up. He had this open-handed concept, sacrifice, willingness to bless. What are you holding on to that God's wanting to release a miracle through? At the end of the story, it says that there were 12 baskets left over of, of food. Now, it doesn't say what happened to those 12 baskets, but my, my guess, my speculation is, well, there were 12 disciples. 
and there were 12 baskets. I reckon Jesus is right. Right, lads, you're each going to pick up a basket, and we're going to carry it to this little boy's house. You can imagine opening the mum opening the door, and suddenly there's these disciples that are there. There's these 12 baskets, and mum is like, where have you been? What are you doing? Why are all these baskets here? I think that Jesus would have wanted to, to honor and bless that child for his open-handed living. We have to be willing to give up in order to go up. I think about the story, the widow at Zarephath. Elijah had been in a drought. He was a, a mighty man of God, a prophet. Had been, it had been a, a drought, a famine in the land. And he had been provided for at this, this, this brook of Kerith. It was in a place called Kerith, the brook in Kerith. And, and ravens would come and they would bring him food, you know, bread and meat. So he had amazing provisions. But then it says that the brook dried up. It, that the food was gone. And he had to let go of that place of miracle to move on to the next place. And so he was directed to go to Zarephath. And there he was told that he would meet a widow who would provide. So he meets with this, this widow and, and he asks for some bread. He asks for some food. And, and she's like, look, I'll be really honest with you, Elijah. We don't have a lot. We actually have just enough to make one last meal. And we're basically going to eat our meal and, and die. I mean, it was a very extreme case. So just think about that. You going to ask someone for a meal who only has one meal and they're going to die. It doesn't seem, seem fair. It doesn't seem sensitive. It doesn't seem loving. It's actually, hey, you're actually being really disrespectful and dishonoring to that, that widow. But Elijah, he goes and he asks the widow. He asked the widow, and thank God the, the widow lived open-handedly. And as a result, the miracle provision never dried up for her and her son. So let's come into land for the challenge. So what is the Lord telling you to give up in order to go up higher? What have you perhaps been holding on to tightly that God is calling you, challenging you to surrender? Now, when I say higher, I just want to clarify here, I'm not talking about a worldly definition of climbing the corporate ladder. I'm talking about walking in the fullness of all that God has for you, all that he's called you to do and be. I'm talking about growing in faith, growing in intimacy with God, being more fruitful in your ministry and following the purposes of God for your life. Maybe the Lord might be saying to some people here and those of you watching online, that it's time to let go of some old mindsets, some old ways of thinking that God's saying, if you keep thinking that way, you're going to limit yourself. Stop trying to hold everything tightly in your life. Stop wrestling over that stuff and recognize you're just a steward. Open your hands. Surrender to me. Maybe there could be old habits that the Lord's saying, hey, these have been going on too long. Now you need to let them go. 
It could be friendships. It could be associations. It, it could be simply letting go of some possessions. Maybe some of you that you've got stuff in your cupboards, in your wardrobes, in your basement, in your loft, in your spare room. And it's, it's seed. It's the farmer who has all these bags of seed in his house and yet he just leaves them there. And the Lord is saying it's time to release. So I would even say that, uh, that there's clothing that should be in the charity shop that needs to be released. Or maybe the Lord might lay certain people on your heart. There's possessions that, that you don't really use that are, they just need to release it and let it go. As you start to see this sowing and reaping principle and that, that eternal mindset, then you're going to start to see a greater harvest. Maybe the Lord is challenging you to have open hands when it comes to generosity and, and, and finances and putting into God's mission. You know, I want to ask you this. Is God first place in the area of your finance? They often say that the last place to be baptized is your wallet. Or your purse for you ladies. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Again, it all comes back to the heart. And when we say, God, I want you to be first in my life. Not just getting the dregs, not just getting the leftovers, but first. And that's the principle of, of, of giving. And when we, when we surrender to the Lord in every area of our lives, we're saying, God, everything, it belongs to you. And it's for your glory. Let's be a people that live not from a place of scarcity, fear, control. I've got to keep everything. I can't let anything go. Let's be people that live with open hands. And let's see God do even greater things in and through our lives for his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just we want to say thank you that you opened your arms and you stretched out your life for us on the cross. You laid down your life. You, you gave up your privileges of heaven to come down to the earth to sacrifice your life. So that we could have eternal life, that we could, that we could be with you forever, that we could have purpose, that we could have peace, that we could have forgiveness, that we could walk in the abundant life. Thank you, God. And I pray right now, I pray for each and every one of us, Lord, highlight those areas where we are being territorial, possessive, controlling, rebellious, resistant, stubborn. And Lord God, forgive us for the times that we've said, mine. Lord, everything that we have is from you and it's for you. Lord, we pray that you would open up our hearts, our lives, our minds, our, our hands, our ears, our mouths, that we might glorify you, that there would be nothing hidden from you, nothing withheld from you, but Lord, that we would truly live as people that not only believe that you are Lord, but are walking in obedience in such a way that communicates that. Lord, we just say, Lord, we are open to you.
Why don't you just say that out aloud, out aloud? We are open to you. I am open to you, God. And God, we say this church, we are open to you. And Lord, we thank you for the people that will be coming and joining the church. Lord, as we raise up and we send out, Lord, help us do that with grace, with honor, with blessing. And Lord, as we receive new people as well, Lord, may we open our hearts to encourage them as well. Lord, we pray, Lord, for everything that has been released. I pray and declare increase in Jesus' name. Every person, every household, every ministry. And Lord, we pray it all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.